Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Hope all of you are having a great Monday so far. This is the newest episode of the Believe in the Hub of Champions podcast on Believe Network. It is audio only. This episode is audio only. It is not on YouTube. So wherever you get your podcast, whether you listen to it on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast, download it, subscribe. I appreciate all of my fans and people who listen to the podcast as always. As I'm ready now, man. I'm ready to get things really flowing Especially now that we are now in the month of April, and man, what a month to really get this podcast up and running, and I mean, with the Red Sox season having now started, we're officially three games into the regular season. Happy belated opening day to all my baseball fans out there, as well as the Bruins season you know, is winding down, as well as the Celtics season is winding down as well. So I figured that today's episode, we're going to start talking baseball. We're going to start talking about the Red Sox because the Red Sox over the weekend had a really interesting series against the Baltimore Orioles. And for reasons that I explained in a previous podcast episode that I did with Casey Stern, shout out to Casey Stern, also of Believe Network, I mentioned that Baltimore, in my opinion, was one of the dark horse teams in the American League this year as being a potential playoff team. But three games into the season, it's become abundantly clear that Baltimore can't pitch. And I see exactly what Casey Stern was saying. And by the way, you could definitely feel free to to check out that podcast with Casey Stern, also on iHeartRadio as well. So the three games over the weekend, it's... I think it's a pretty big indicator as to what the Red Sox may potentially be in 2023. And I'm not saying this as it's definitely a matter of fact or it's definitely um, you know, set in stone. Like things can change, like developments can happen. As we all know that baseball, it's a long season. We know that for a fact. We all know that things change over the course of the baseball season. We all know that players who you may not have necessarily expected to step up and produce, step up in a big way and produce, whether if it's on the mound or at the plate. And that is especially true for one Adam Duvall, because Adam Duvall going into the weekend, especially going into this series, people knew about him because his time that he spent with the Atlanta Braves that's where I remember him from. He was a productive player with the Atlanta Braves. And coming coming to the Red Sox on a one-year deal, you didn't know exactly what you're going to get from him. I mean, let's be completely honest with ourselves. But, again, only three games. Only three games. Three games in, it's been rather pretty impressive what he's been able to do. Adam Duvall, by the way, had himself quite the Saturday. He hit that walk-off home run after the left fielder for the Baltimore Orioles dropped a routine fly ball that would have been the final out of the game. Adam Duvall, as of Sunday, 
as, as of Sunday night. He's 8 of 14 so far in these three games. Three doubles, a triple, two home runs, and eight RBIs in these three games. And oh, by the way, he also has 11 extra base hits as well and 14 RBIs over seven games. Which is which is really eye-opening, to say the least. And that's probably putting it nicely because you could say that Adam Duvall is seeing the ball well right now. You could say that, oh, he's just on fire to start the season and so forth. This is not going to sustain itself over the long course of the season, all of which may or may not be true. But what I will tell you is this. Right now, Adam Duvall in my opinion, I think is the Red Sox best hitter. He's really making the adjustments to Fenway Park quite well in the early going. Again, I know it's only three games, but that is my first observation from the from the weekend as it pertains to the Boston Red Sox. That's number one. Number two, the Red Sox have scored nine runs in each of the first three games. You want to know who was the last team to score that many runs in the first three games of a season? 1978 Milwaukee Brewers with Storman Gorman Thomas. <laughs> I mean, my gosh. When you are doing something offensively as a team, as good as what they had just accomplished, you got to go back to 1978. That's what, 45 years ago? It kind of tells you that offensively, for the Boston Red Sox in 2023, there's a like there's a lot to like so far. And again, as I said, three games in, I've never been one that gets overly excited after three games of the season or terribly low because baseball is such a long season and we are just getting started in the month of April. Opening day was on March 30th. April 1st and April 2nd was the first two games of April. And then, oh, by the way, you have another series starting later tonight against the Pittsburgh Pirates. But the Red Sox, they seem to have an interesting thing going on. Yes, it was the Orioles. They won two out of three. Yes, I know that the Orioles, in some people's eyes, they're not ready for contention yet, but that is a scrappy team. That I like their lineup. I like the position players a lot, but they really can't pitch. Again, maybe it changes during the during the rest of the regular season. Who knows? But based on the first three games from over the weekend, it's pretty clear that the Orioles' biggest downfall in 2023 is going to be the arms on the mound. So... As it pertains to the Boston Red Sox, Adam Duvall was the star over the weekend, having the monster series that he had against the Orioles. The Red Sox lineup starting 2023 is absolutely cooking. Each of the first three games, he scored at least nine runs. I mean, my goodness. And then, you know what's funny about that? Rafael Devers, the big man who... Signed that 11-year, $330 million contract extension during the offseason in which that the Red Sox failed to sign Xander Bogarts to a long-term deal. He is quietly 
off to a 7 of 15 start so far. And I use quietly very loosely because we all know the thunder that Rafael Devers possesses in his bat. We all know that. But for a guy who who brings a lot of power, who brings a lot of pop in that bat, 7-15 ain't bad. It's just interesting the fact that it hasn't been allowed 7-15. And, and that is hilarious. And again, I don't mean that literally. But what I do know is this, though. The Boston Red Sox, I'm not going to lie. They could potentially be a very intriguing team in 2023. Again, it's very early. But based on what we've seen from the early onset, they could be a very interesting team. You talk about Kike Hernandez, who went two for four with a homer and two runs batted in in their game against the Orioles yesterday. I mean, what exactly did you expect from Kike Hernandez coming into this year? Kike Hernandez, I'll be the first to tell you, Kike Hernandez was not himself in 2022. He wasn't. But with him being back, healthy, ready to raw, ready to roll, I like what I've seen from him so far. You got to like what he was able to do for Team Puerto Rico in the WBC. And you know what's interesting about that, just real quick? Sometimes players who play in the WBC for their countries, they tend to give you a little bit of a prelude of what is to come for the upcoming season. We've seen it in the past before. For me, the most notable one, in my opinion, in my memory, Carlos Beltran in the inaugural World Baseball Classic of 2006. During that World Baseball Baseball Classic, he was exhibiting power that was missing during his first season with the New York Mets in 2005. He goes down to the World Baseball Classic, represents Puerto Rico, has a tremendous World Baseball Classic, and you could say that Carlos Beltran had the best year of his career in 2006. I think that was by far his best year offensively, power-wise, driving in runs, you name it. But the point is, Kiki Hernandez, I thought, by a large part, played solid in the World Baseball Classic. And now you're seeing it translate to the regular season for the Boston Red Sox. And you know something else? I love talking baseball already because of the fact that baseball is here. I can look outside my window and see that the sun is shining outside, at least at the time of this recording. And be like, whoo, man, listen, the sun is out. It's an early spring day. It's early April. And oh, by the way, baseball is to be played tonight. The first night game of the regular season for the Boston Red Sox against the Pirates. I mean, (laughs) if you're a baseball fan right now, you are over the moon. You should be over the moon. I mean... A lot of teams right now that are on the road, they'll have their home opener later this week. The Brewers have their home opener today. And you're going to have 
um, teams that have been on the road to start the season, they're going to have their home opener later in the week. But as for the Boston Red Sox is concerned, they have, as I mentioned, they're facing off the Pir- against the Pirates tonight. And it's the first game of... It is the first game of three for the Red Sox against the Pirates. And Cutter Crawford, excuse me, is on the mound for the Red Sox. But my overall expectation for Red Sox in 2023, since I haven't really talked about them in previous episodes a lot, my expectation is that I think this is a team that doesn't win a whole lot of games. I don't think this is a team that wins maybe more than 80 if I'm being really generous. And that's probably being really nice. But I'm an honest man, and I've always been one that's going to tell you exactly what I think. Here are the reasons why I don't think the Red Sox will win more than 80 games and that they will narrowly just miss making the playoffs. The reason is, number one, the health of the pitching staff. They have a lot to prove to me in terms of can they stay healthy for a long stretch of the season? Most notably, Chris Sale. That is my worry. That is my concern. Number two, I think the overall health of the Boston Red Sox is something that does concern me a bit. Trevor Story is going to miss significant time to start 2023. And that leads me to wonder, like the guys that, are either one they're out right now that they're missing time to start the season most notably Trevor Story as I just mentioned and Chris Sale who who is really reason number three I have doubts that he is going to be able to stay healthy for a full 30 starts of a season I truly do I think long gone are the days of Chris Sale pitching a full healthy season making all 30 to 32 starts and being that type of pitcher that shows up every fifth day. I'm not worried about his stuff. His stuff still is very much there. But can he stay healthy? That's really the big question that I do have. Another reason why I don't see the Red Sox winning more than 80 games, and again, I'm being really generous here, is... As well as the Red Sox offense have looked in the first three games against the Baltimore Orioles. Is this sustainable over the course of a long season? That in itself is a very fair question. Because listen, you're not going to play the Orioles all 162 games of the season. That's not going to happen. You're not going to turn around and you're not going to you know, play against the Pirates all 162. You have a very soft start to your schedule, ladies and gentlemen. You just had the three games against Baltimore. You had the three-game series against the Pirates starting Monday night. And then, oh, by the way, you travel on the road beginning Thursday. You have the Tigers home opener at Comerica Park, the first game of a three-gamer. Before, you got to travel down to Tampa Bay beginning next Monday night against the Tampa Bay Rays for the first game of a four-gamer. So after this soft, you know, the soft landing spot to begin the 2023 Red Sox season, things do get a bit challenging. 
So those are my reasons why I don't have the Red Sox winning more than 80 games this season. But again, it's a long season, and that's what makes it beautiful. You just don't know how a baseball season may start out. But it is also important to wrap up this first segment of this podcast to also remember that it's important that you don't get too high after three games or you don't get too low. It's way too early. Keep an even keel approach. And let the, let the games play out and see what happens. Coming up next, I want to talk about the Boston Bruins. Because, of course, what is an episode of the Believe in a Hub of Champions podcast without should be talking about the Bruins, of course. But I got some thoughts I want to share with you on what we witnessed over the weekend. That and much more coming up next. Welcome back to the Believe in the Hub of Champions podcast with your host Shukri Wright here on Believe Network and wherever you get your podcasts as well. Thank you for checking out this newest episode of this show as I want to turn a page and talk about the Boston Bruins because this past weekend we saw something quite special. And I think we have to, you know, acknowledge it. In the words of, of Seth Rollins, acknowledge me. And we're going to acknowledge the Boston Bruins because what the Bruins have been doing is something that no Bruin fan has seen this organization or any of the teams do in its 99-year existence, which is really remarkable when you think about the steep history of this organization. The Bruins beat the St. Louis Blues on Sunday Four to three in shootout. Charlie Coyle scored the only goal in the shootout for the Bruins, and with that, they improved their record to sixty, twelve and five. Yeah, you heard that right. Their record is sixty, twelve and five, and the Bruins have been twenty one and five since the NHL All Star break. And then, oh by the way. They now have 125 points on the season. It's important that we talk about them because I have this thought that I want to really expound on. And I'm glad that I have the opportunity to expound on this thought because oftentimes we're so focused on trying to get to the destination without really appreciating the journey that it took to get there. That's why I am a big proponent and I am a big believer that you absolutely need to enjoy what the Boston Bruins are doing right now and what they have been doing for a while now. And equally as importantly, you need to enjoy the history that they're making Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure you are aware of this, but the Boston Bruins are about to potentially set the new NHL regular season wins record. And then, oh, by the way, they have a chance to set the the single season points record as well. 62 wins is the regular season record for most wins by 
any team in the NHL regular season. The Boston Bruins are at 60 right now, and their next game was on Thursday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then, oh, by the way, they're at 125 points right now. It's it's really incredible when you really just take a step back. Take a step back and ask yourself this question. What was your honest expectation going back to last summer, going back to July of last year, July, August of last year? I want you all, for those of you that use social media or Twitter, go back and look at your tweets, at your own posts on Instagram or whatever. What was your honest expectation of this team? My expectation of the Boston Bruins of 2022-2023, before training camp even began, was that this was going to be a really tough start because of the fact that Brad Marchand was going to miss significant time. Charlie McAvoy was supposed to miss significant time. Matt Grizzick was supposed to miss significant time. There was no guarantees that Patrice Bergeron was going to return for another season. And the Bruins essentially were trying to recruit David Krejci to return back to the NHL after playing that one season in Czechia in his native country. So with all of those things, with all of those factors, did anybody see this coming? The truthful answer is no, because you do have some liars that are out there. Let's be real. That'll say, I've always believed that this team was this good. You're lying. You are a straight up liar. Nobody could have predicted this. We're talking history. We're talking about, and I put this very succinctly yesterday on Twitter, which, by the way, you can follow at Shukri Wright's blue checkmark. I said this at the time that we may never see a Bruins team this dominant in every facet of the game ever again. I meant every bit of that. We may never see anything like this again. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. Because when the Stanley Cup playoffs begin in exactly two weeks, there's no telling as to what's going to happen. The expectation for the Boston Bruins is going to be, it's going to be obviously win the Stanley Cup. There's nothing else to be said. This was the most dominant Bruins team ever. This team is expected to win the Cup. And if they don't, honestly, I can't even begin to imagine what the disappointment and the feeling is going to be like in this city. I can't imagine what the city of Boston will be like if the Bruins do not win the Stanley Cup this season in terms of the mood. Because if we were to have an honest conversation right now, and, and you ask me, who do you expect between the Bruins and the Celtics to win the championship this, this June? 100% I say there's the Bruins. The Celtics still have a chance to do so, yes. 
I still think that, that the Celtics can win an NBA title, but they're going to have to get out of their own way, and they're going to have to continue to play sound basketball as they have been doing as of late. But the truth is, is that the Boston Bruins have all the world of, of pressure on them going into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, you know that Lennis Olmark is going to be faced with questions himself in which that we have we have been wondering since maybe midseason. The question is going to be, how is Lennis Olmark going to look come the Stanley Cup playoffs? Because you and I know that Lennis Olmark is going to win the Vesna. Case, case closed. He's 38-6-1 with a 1.90 goals against average and a 9.37 save percentage. Like, I mean, my goodness. By the way, he's tied for the second most wins by a Bruins goaltender in Bruins history. Well, who's he tied with? He's, he's tied with Tiny Thompson of 1929-1930. The record is held by Pete Peters, 40 wins in a 1982-83 season. So... The big question for Linus Olmark is going to be, can he maintain this level of dominance in the playoffs? That's going to be the big question. Can the Bruins continue to maintain their level of dominance? We saw that the power play has suddenly risen back to life in recent games. We saw that the Boston Bruins penalty kill continues to be outstanding, which, by the way, they killed off a big 5 on 3 um, penalty that, that the St. Louis Blues were on. They were on a 5-on-3 and the Bruins killed it off with no problem. And that's why when you go into the playoffs and having the power play come back to life again, looking like the power play that in the first half of the season, they were the be- second best power play in the league. Edmonton still has the best power play in the league. And, they had, and they've had the best penalty kill in the league for a while now. It's going to serve them well. But, man, (laughs) let me tell you something. The Bruins right now, the only thing that I'm concerned about for this team is health. Because, as you know, Patrice Bergeron did not play at all this weekend. David Krejci did not play at all this weekend. And I am, I am truly, truly, keeping an eye on the, the health of this team going into the playoffs because that's, that is truly what's going to be important for this team because at this point, the Stanley Cup could be lost if this team is not healthy. We saw it back in 2019. That Bruins team was so banged up by the time it got to the Stanley Cup finals and they were playing up against a a much more physical St. Louis Blues team that they did the one thing that they knew that was going to beat the Boston Bruins, and that is pound the Bruins through the ice. They did exactly just that. So the Bruins, they were banged up because of the, the bruises that they sustained in that series. We all remember. So this is why on Twitter I have preached Health, health, and health, that is important. You need that more than anything else. 
Make sure that the guys are getting the rest that they need. Hall and Felino are expected to be back by the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that is going to be huge. And that's the scary part, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. That this role that the Bruins have been on, regardless of who's been out of the lineup, they have been so good and so deep that despite missing key guys, as I mentioned, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, Taylor Hall, and Nick Felino, most notably, that I think more than anything that this is only going to be a team that's even more scary once those guys get healthy and ready to roll for the playoffs. That in itself makes me excited. I mean, my God. Imagine this team at full health. I don't think there's a single team in the NHL that can stop the Boston Bruins. And like I said, I said this in a tweet prior. I said that that um, if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, this is going to be the greatest single-season team of all time. And yes, and I'm saying that this team could potentially be better than the 1984-85 Edmonton Oilers. That's how good this Bruins team has been this season. Enjoy it, folks. Coming up next on the other side of this very brief break, I want to share with you my final thoughts on this podcast. You know, touch on a little bit of Celtics as well. That and much more. Coming up next here on the Believe in the Hubble Champions podcast. Welcome back to the Believe in Hub Champions of Podcast with your host Shukri Wrights. As I just want to make a couple of um, notes here while I still can. When I was talking about some of the guys I've been missing from the lineup for the Bruins, I also uh, wanted to include Hampus Lindholm, Derek Forbort as well um, on that list um, for the Bees that have been missing time, along with obviously Nick Felino. And Taylor Hall, Patrice Bergeron, and David Krejci um, as well. But when this team is at full health, this team, I don't think there's anyone that's going to be good enough to beat this Bruins team as it currently stands. With that being said, I want to spend some time while I still got a little bit of it left on this podcast to touch on the Boston Celtics. Because there was an interesting column that came out yesterday. In the Boston Globe, I want to give credit to Jim Davis, who wrote this column about how a new NBA collective bargaining agreement could change the calculus on Jalen Brown's next contract. So part of the new CBA that the NBA and the NBA um, Players Association, the National Basketball Players Association specifically, that's what it's actually called. Part of it is that under the new agreement, the players can sign a veteran extension for 140% of the previous year's salary in the first year of a new deal. That's a significant bump from the 120% that was previously um, the case. And that impacts someone on the Boston Celtics whom there has been a lot of chatter about whether if he wants to stay in Boston or not, and that is specifically Jalen Brown. Because Jalen Brown... We all know that a year from now, like next summer, which was summer 2024, he can become an unrestricted free agent. And I'm 100% certain in saying that, that the Boston Celtics are going to want to know, hey, 
Do you want to be here? If so, let's say if best case scenario um, that Jalen Brown makes a third-team All-NBA this season, he's going to be eligible to get that Supermax extension. And what is a Supermax extension? Five years, $290 million. That would be a lot more than what he would have been able to sign in terms of under the current CBA. In a, under the current CBA, he would have been able to sign a four-year extension with closer to $190 million. That's, a, that's basically a full max salary. But the, but the super max salary is five years, $290 million. That's That would be a super max extension if Jalen Brown makes an all-NBA. And I think that is super important for him Personally, of course, absolutely, because obviously the, the the goal is to win banner number 18. That goes without saying. But what also is important is I would say for me, Jalen Brown acknowledging the fact that he is a major piece to the puzzle for a team that has that is the second best team in the NBA right now. Jalen Brown' importance to the Boston Celtics can't be overstated. It can't. We all know that Jalen Brown wants to get paid, and he deserves to get paid. Jason Tatum, he's got his money. Jalen Brown deserves to have his money. And we know that Tatum and Brown are the best young duo in the NBA right now. That's not even a, that's not debatable. So let's say the current CBA versus the new CBA that the NBA and as well as the National Basketball Players Association agreed to, there's a steep increase in salary by about $100 million, especially if Jalen Brown makes an All-NBA team, which I think that he will. But we know the importance of what Jalen Brown does cannot be overstated. He's a better defensive player than Jason Tatum. I am not as concerned about the turnover aspect in terms of Jalen Brown in comparison to Jason Tatum. And this is someone who I look at and I say he should be taking the final shot of the game, especially when the Boston Celtics are down, like let's say they're down by two or three, and it's a one-possession game, time running out. Jalen Brown has shown that that ice-cold mentality, that ice the ice coldness in his veins shouldn't always only go to Jason Tatum. It can go to Jalen Brown as well. So when you begin to really just, just dissect everything, the new CBA is definitely going to benefit Jalen Brown. The new CBA should absolutely, you know, benefit the Boston Celtics as well as Jalen Brown, as I, as I mentioned. And in conclusion, I just think that at this point, it's going to obviously come down to whether Jalen Brown wants to be here or not. And that's what it's going to come down to. But then remember, keep in mind, in terms of the financial aspect, the NBA is going to be signing a massive new media rights deal that goes into effect in 2025, basically in two years. And the salary cap is going to increase at a maximum of 10% per year during the new um, media rights deal. 
So it's going to be interesting to see like how this CBA and and as well as the new media rights deal that the NBA is going to be signing in about a couple of years is going to impact salaries across the league, most notably Jalen Brown. And with that being said, that is going to do it for this edition of the, of the Believe in a Hub of Champions podcast with your Shikarates. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Subscribe, download the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'll talk to you again next episode. Take care. Enjoy your Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.